0: Answering the difficult and critical questions youth may face that relate to Mormon culture and teachings. This is the Rise Up Podcast, produced by Fair Mormon. When it comes to living our lives, we have a lot of choices placed before us. We have our choice of schools to attend after high school, or even a choice of career path. Spiritually speaking, we have choices to make as well. When viewing the world around him, even Joshua in the Old Testament dealt with this same question. In Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 15, he was speaking prior to his death, and reflecting on the different choices that he made in his life when he recorded this often-quoted passage. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve." whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When Jesus Christ was ministering personally on the earth, both in the old world and in the Book of Mormon lands, he made a rather declarative statement that leaves little room for confusion. A statement that invites one who hears it to search their own heart and make an assessment Of where they are at in their life. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13, or in 3 Nephi chapter 13, verse 24, we read, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the Bible dictionary teaches us that the word mammon is an Aramaic word for riches. In other words, the scripture is saying that you can't serve Both God and the things of this world. In my time with Fair Mormon, and even some years prior to volunteering, I would come across a variety of people that seem to struggle with this idea. And when I say struggle, it isn't something that I, I think they consciously notice. To a certain extent, we all will have times in our life where it seems like we might be serving one God more than another. But there are those who try to serve the Lord without offending the devil. It's a concept that was addressed by Elder James E. Faust at a BYU devotional back in 1994, and I want to share some of his counsel with you, not only because he says it better than I could, but also because it's important to hear the voice of the Lord's chosen apostles. They have been blessed with the ability and spiritual capacity to guide us through some tough questions we might have about how to approach our lives. Here are some highlights from that presentation.
1: In the great universities of the world, one does not often choose to speak of the influence of Satan. Perhaps it is not cool to address this subject, but I choose to do so anyway. Someone said in these few words, I've heard much about the devil. I've read a great deal about the devil. I've even done business with the devil but it didn't pay. Your generation lives in a day when many things are measured against the standard of social or political correctness. Today I challenge that false doctrine of human behavior. The influence of Satan is becoming more acceptable. Elizabeth Barrett Browning said, The devil is most devilish when respectable. It is not good practice to become intrigued by Satan and his mysteries. No good can come from getting too close to evil. Like playing with fire, it is too easy to get burned. The knowledge of sin tempteth to its commission. The only safe course is to keep well distance from him and from any of his wicked activities or nefarious practices. However, Brigham Young said that it is important to study evil and its consequences. Since Satan is the author of all evil in the world, it would therefore be essential to realize that he is the influence behind the opposition to the work of God. Alma stated the issue succinctly. For I say unto you that whatsoever is good cometh from God, and whatsoever is evil cometh from the devil. My principal reason for choosing this subject is to help young people by warning them, as Paul said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We hope that young people unfamiliar with the sophistries of the world, can keep themselves free of Satan's enticements and deceitful ways. I owe my text to Elder Marion G. Romney, who at a BYU devotional in 1955 stated, Now there are those among us who are trying to serve the Lord without offending the devil. This is a contradiction of terms. President Romney goes on. Must the choice lie irrevocably between peace on one hand obtained by compliance with the gospel of Jesus Christ as restored through the Prophet Joseph Smith and contention and war on the other hand? Yogi Berra is reported to have said, If you come to the fork of a road, take it. But it doesn't work that way. The Savior said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Today many of us are trying to serve two masters—the Lord, our own selfish interests, without offending the devil. The influence of God, our Eternal Father, urges us, pleads us, inspires us to follow him. In contrast, the power of Satan urges us to disbelieve and disregard God's commandments. President Romney continues, The consequences of mortal man's choices are of an all-or-nothing sort. There is no way to escape the influence of these opposing forces. Inevitably, he is led by one or the other. His God-giving moral agency gives him the power and option to choose. But choose he must, nor can he serve both of them at the same time, for, as Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. He cannot serve God and mammon.
0: Here then is the challenge. In what issues do we see this riding the line or trying to serve the Lord without offending the devil? One current issue that is causing some discord or one where one may feel that it is walking the line is the issue of
1: homosexuality or gay marriage.
0: Elder Faust addresses this issue in this
1: way. The Church's stand on homosexual relations provide another arena where we offend the devil. I expect that the statement of the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles against homosexual marriages will continue to be assaulted. Satan is only interested in our misery, which he promotes by trying to persuade men and women to act contrary to God's plan. One way he does this is by encouraging the inappropriate use of the sacred creative powers. A bona fide marriage is one between a man and a woman, solemnized by proper legal or ecclesiastical authority. Only sexual relations between husband and wife within the bonds of marriage are acceptable before the Lord. Any alternatives to the legal and loving marriage between a man and a woman are helping to unravel the fabric of human society. I am sure this is pleasing to the devil. The fabric I refer to is the family. These so-called alternative lifestyles must not be accepted as right because they frustrate God's commandment for a life-giving union of male and female within a legal marriage, as stated by Genesis. I suggest that the devil takes some delight every time a home is broken up, even where there is no parent to blame. This is especially so where there are children involved. The physical and spiritual neglect of children is one of the spawning grounds for so many of the social ills of the world.
0: Sometimes these issues are not so charged. Sometimes these issues involve matters of temptations and personal conduct and not necessarily social issues. So Elder Faust continues with this counsel.
1: I now turn to milder ways of not offending the devil. Nephi has given to us the pattern or formula by which Satan operates. Others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security. And they will say, All is well in Zion, yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them carefully down to hell. And, behold, others he flattereth away, and telleth them, There is no hell. And he saith unto them, I am no devil, for there is none. And thus he whispereth in their ears, until he grasps them with his awful chains, from whence there is no deliverance. C.S. Lewis gave us a keen insight into devilish tactics. In a fictional letter, the master devil, Screwtape, instructs the apprentice devil, Wormwood, who is in training to become a more experienced devil. You will say that these are very small sins. And doubtless, like all young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulated effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into nothing—indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts." The so-called small sins include the challenge to the sin laws, which seek to control forms of gambling, alcohol, and drug consumption. Some who wish to appear broad-minded say, under the guise of not imposing their religious beliefs, say, I don't drink or gamble, but I don't think we ought to have any laws to control others that wish to. This completely ignores the health and social cost to society of these vices. They foolishly argue that laws cannot control human behavior. My long legal career has led me to conclude that all criminal laws have a moral basis. I now come to some even milder forms of trying to serve the Lord without offending the devil. Having a temple ran temple recommend and not using it seems mild enough. However, if we live close to a temple, perhaps having a temple recommend but not using it may not offend the devil. Satan is offended when we use that recommend, going to the temple to partake of the spiritual protection it affords. How often do we plan to go to the temple only to have all kinds of hindrances arise to stop us from going? The devil has always been offended by our temple worship.
0: I want to add my own voice to the principle and importance of temple work as a way to help protect us even from our own desires that might not fall in line with God's principles. You see, when one spends time on the internet or in reading material that some would call anti-Mormon, or even material that is critical of the church, the leaders of the church, or otherwise, it can take a toll on our spiritual immune systems. It starts to wear people down and bring a sort of unhappiness into their lives that slowly creeps in, poisoning that spirit of peace It's the power of the temple and temple service that can cast aside that anger and helps us to find a place for the peace that comes from feeling close to the Lord. Now, Elder Faust concludes,
1: I wonder how much we offend Satan if the proclamation of our faith is limited only to the great humanitarian work this church does throughout the world or our beautiful buildings or this great university—marvelous as these activities are. When we preach the gospel of social justice, no doubt the devil is not troubled. But I believe the devil is terribly offended when we boldly declare by personal testimony that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God and that he saw the Father and the Son. When we preach that the Book of Mormon is another witness for Christ when we declare that there has been a restoration of the fullness of the gospel in its simplicity and power in order to fulfill the great plan of happiness. We challenge the powers of darkness when we speak of the perfect life of the Savior and of his sublime work. For all mankind through the Atonement, this supernal gift permits us, through repentance, to break away from Satan's grasping tentacles. We need not become paralyzed with fear of Satan's power. He can have no power over us unless we permit it. He is really a coward, and if we stand firm, he will retreat. The Apostle James counseled, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And Nephi states that he hath no power over the hearts of people who are righteous. Satan has had great success with this gullible generation. As a consequence, literally hosts of people have been victimized by him and his angels. However, there is an ample shield against the power of Lucifer and his hosts. This protection lies in the spirit of discernment through the gift of the Holy Ghost. This gift comes undeviatingly by personal revelation to those who strive to obey the commandments of the Lord and to follow the counsel of the living prophets. I emphasize that fasting and prayer is a great way to receive the moral and spiritual strength to resist the temptations of Satan. But you may say this is hard and unpleasant. I commend to you the example of the Savior. He went into the desert where he fasted and prayed to prepare himself spiritually for his ministry. His temptation by the devil was great, but through the purification of his spirit he was able to triumph over all evil. I testify that there are forces which will save us from an ever-increasing lying disorder, violence, chaos, destruction, misery, and deceit that are upon the earth. Those saving forces are the everlasting principles, covenants, and ordinances of the eternal gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These same principles, covenants, and ordinances are coupled with the rights and powers of the priesthood of Almighty God. We of this Church are the possessors and custodians of these commanding powers which can and do roll back much of the power of Satan on the earth. We believe and hold that these mighty forces are in trust for all who have died for all who are now living and for the yet unborn. I pray that we will dedicate our lives to serving the Lord and not worry about offending the devil. I also pray that through the spreading of righteousness the evil hands of the destroyer might be stayed and that he might be not permitted to curse the whole earth. I also pray that God will overlook our weakness, our frailties, and our many shortcomings, and generously forgive us of our misdeeds. I further pray that he will bring solace to the suffering, comfort to those who grieve, and peace to the brokenhearted. And I leave this witness and testimony and blessing with you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Rise Up. This has been a production of Fair Mormon. This and other podcasts are available at fairmormon.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon, or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Please subscribe to our show in iTunes under the name Mormon Faircast. Questions or comments can be posted at blog.fairmormon.org in conjunction with this episode. Tune in each week for another episode of Rise Up. Thank you for listening.